York, New York, big city of dreams. What's going on? It's Jealous from Nick Time Show here, giving you that Nick's talk just in the nick of time, but not really in the nick of time because it was a little bit late because we had some technical difficulties last week. <laughs> but yeah, your boys are back. It's your boy Jay Ellis and Ryan G. Yes, Ryan G in the building. Mm-hmm. The G and J show. You know what it is. Yep, G and J show. Back in it. The Kathy couldn't make it. Edson couldn't make it. So we're gonna hold it down this week. To let you guys know what happened. We recorded a whole episode last week at two in the morning. <laughs> two in the morning. No team, no sleep. Just to give y'all some Knicks talk. And it didn't record. The audio there was no audio, it was just us, it was just no. miming. It was like this. <laughs> That's it. But we are back to give you that Nick's talk a little bit late, but still the nick of time for you guys. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we last left off. We were trying to get into the power forward talk. Um, it's been rumored that the Knicks are looking for a stretch four. Now we know that Randall is here. We know Bobby Portis is here. There's been news that Bobby Portis is likely not to be here. So um, you feel like he will be moved, even though he was heating up towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But he likely will be moved. And I will say this, and I said this in the last episode that never came out. <laughs> <laughs> it does not matter who the Knicks get. If Julius Randle is still the starting power forward, or he's not coming off, or if he's coming off the, or if he's not coming off the bench, it doesn't matter because the whole point of bringing a stretch four into the New York Knicks is to give RJ some room. Yeah. Correct. Am I am I right? Am I right? You right. So I mean, hopefully the Knicks have the balls to kind of do the right thing. I don't know if you guys can hear the fireworks going off. It's like <laughs> July right now in June. It's been going off like a month, like stop. Yeah. Hopefully the sound isn't too bad for you guys. <sighs> you just got to deal. <laughs> just one of those to- days, man. It's one of those days. Welcome to Brooklyn. We're going to keep this. <laughs> it's time for Power Forwards, man. Let's get into it. Yes, sir. All right, yo. So. First power forward on the list I want to get into is <clears throat> Davis Bertans of the Washington Wizards. First started off with the Spurs, did pretty well there. Uh, average 6.2 points, 2.3 rebounds, and 1.1 assists a game in 16 mm-hmm. minutes. You want to say something, Ryan? I felt like you want to jump in. Yeah, man, you know, I just want to point out that Davis Bertans, every year he's been in the NBA, he has improved every season, so that's a positive sign right there. Mm-hmm. Just entering his prime right now, 27 years old. The season with the Wizards, he averaged 15.4 points a game. Right. Around 1.7 assists, which is also a career high. Eight. 42.4% from three and 42.4% overall in 29 minutes per game. 
and to you know give a bit more you know insight on the Wizards' um, roster situation, it seems like um, there might be a chance that Bertans goes because clearly the Wizards are in a rebuild mode right now. Even though Bradley Beal and John Wallace did, and still didn't you hear rumors about right. you know probably trading either one of them, mm-hmm. which more than likely is going to probably be Wall if he shows any type of health when he comes back. Exactly. Yeah, so if you look at the Wizards roster right now, the Wizards do have some stretch fours on their roster. They have Hachimura, which is the rookie that they just drafted. Correct. They also have um, Davis Bertans, um, international teammate. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't want to pronounce his name. I'm going to try, though. Okay. <laughs> Pasekness? He's also a rookie, center, seven for one. He can also stretch the floor, and he's and you know he can also shoot the three. So there's two guys right there who are younger than Bertans that the Wizards currently have that could fill in that stretch four role. Right. So I feel like if a team offers Bertans enough money, there's probably a good chance that a team can steal Bertans from the Wizards. Exactly, because at this point. The way that Bertans is shooting right now, he's kind of shoot, he's shooting off the course. Not even kind of, he's shooting off the charts. Eighty percent of his shots right now from three, he's hitting forty-two percent of that. Eight point seven attempts per game. It's kind of ridiculous. And even the way he's shooting it, he's shooting it from twenty feet beyond the three-point line. He's shooting it off the dribble. He's shooting it on the move. He's shooting in mm-hmm. the corner. He's shooting from the top of the key. He is shooting it everywhere and at a high volume. So when you think about your prototypical stretch forward, that is the guy you want on your team. Um, I know no one on the Wizards is doing it at that rate, at that clip. Mm-hmm. But uh, he definitely is. And the defense isn't really there. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not there. But not really. this is one of those guys where the, the shooting is so good that you can kind of – you can – you can take the hit on the defensive end, especially if you have someone like Mitch Robinson who hopefully takes the next step and can cover his ass. On yeah. The- <laughs> and that's why I feel comfortable with bringing in a guy like Bertans because as long as we have somebody like Mitch who's going to, you know, who can, you know, guard the paint and make sure that, you know, if, the, if there's any, you know, drivers into the lane, you know, he can reject them, you know, and, t- and, you know, and stop them from, you know, scoring the basket. I feel like that will, you know – allow the Knicks to bring in a guy like Bertans where it's like, yeah, he might not be great defensively, but he can still get you buckets and he's going to still help you on the offensive end. Exactly. And even doing a little bit of research too, the Spurs even saw some even more potential in him. Uh, they feel like there was some pick and roll potential with him at the forward as well. I know he wasn't really utilized with the Wizards and, you know, they don't, rightfully so, but who knows with the Knicks what his role will be depending on what coach we have. Maybe if we have a, a developmental guy who wants to explore, explore with that, like a Kenny Atkinson or or whatever, then maybe we might see another wrinkle in this game. Who knows? Yeah. As far as shooting power forwards go, Bertans is definitely at the top of the list. Um, very likely he can be on the move. The, it, it's interesting to, to watch the Wizards fans' uh, reaction. They seem to feel like it might be a little bit too expensive to keep him at mm-hmm. what, around probably 15 to 20 mil is probably what he'll command. Probably, yeah. Which is fans, for what I've seen on like Reddit and stuff, they feel like you know it might be a little bit too expensive. Mm-hmm. And they want they want to find somebody who's uh, good on both ends, of course. Um, for the Knicks, 
I think he might be a good fit, and I would definitely welcome him on the team, especially if somehow, someway, Julius Randle either ends up on the bench or moves somehow. And also, I would definitely um, accept Bertans on the team, especially if the Knicks bring in Atkinson because – Oh, yeah. Woo! Because if you have Atkinson's offense and you, and you put in a guy like Bertans, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out tremendously. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I mean, if we have Atkinson, well, shoot, maybe Mitch can shoot some threes. <laughs> He's been shooting it in the summer. He's been shooting it in the summer. Uh, like, Atkinson, Atkinson, who, who? Atkinson had Lopez shooting threes before Lopez was known for shooting threes. Exactly. He was in the paint. All of a sudden, he's on the Bucks, letting them fly. Like so, <laughs> he might be the guy to encourage Mitch to step outside the point line and, and shoot it. Yes, you never know. You never know. We'll get to that Kenny Atkinson news, news later. But yeah, <clears throat> next on the power forward list for the New York Knicks, our guy Christian Wood. Shout out to the Popo if you hear the sirens in the background. Shout out to you, we in Brooklyn, so you know how it is. <laughs> about to regulate on the fire on the on the firework people they're about to regulate exactly shut down those fireworks please if you're gonna make noise shut down the fireworks thank you popo all right <laughs> <laughs> so christian wood is someone a lot of knicks fans really want guy who's been cut like four or five times seven three man though bouncy athletic very mm-hmm. smooth shooting stroke Average 24 and 10 once Andre Drummond was gone. Shot 54% from the field. Pretty, pretty, really good modern big who's going to give you something on both sides on offense and defense. Yes, sir. So Christian Wood, another guy with career highs across the board. Eight. 13.1 points per game this season. Okay. He's also averaging 6.3 rebounds per game. Mm-hmm. He's also shooting 38.6% from three. Woo. I think this is that thing. And I think this is what's most impressive. Overall, field goal percentage is 56.7%. So that tells me that he takes high-quality shots, which is a big positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And <laughs> but the thing with um, Wood now is that when you look at the Pistons roster, it seems like there's a need for a stretch four because – you have Blake Griffin. I, I really don't know what the Pistons are going to do with Blake Griffin. That remains to be seen. And they have John Henson, but John Henson's um he's not really a stretch four. You know, he's like your typical big almost. Right, right. Yeah, and then you have Thon Maker again. Thon Maker can be that stretch four. Can be, I like him. Potentially. Yeah. He has the ability, but again, like, he's inconsistent. Like, there's no... So it's like he has the potential, but you don't know where he's going to be within the next few, you know, within the next few years. So, I mean, when you look at all those things, it's like, you know, if I was the Pistons, like I would try to keep Christian Wood, especially if he's showing me that he can, you know, put up 24 and 10, even though it's a small sample size. But if he's showing me that he can put in 24 and 10 consistently, like that's a guy I'm trying to keep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And to think about, like, to really talk about it too, um, <clears throat> He's a guy, right, that he's a prototypical big. He did, he's, he did average 24 and 10. But the, the Pistons moved these players with the big contracts to free up space to kind of get that youth movement going. So you have to think that they're willing to put up the money to get Christian Wood. To yeah. get Christian Wood. 
So for the Knicks to get Christian, um, I think it's going to take my guess would be minimum 18. Nah, Knicks gonna have to really overpay. That's the only way Knicks gonna take him away from the Pistons. Right, because the Pistons are gonna have to match. It'll have to be minimum 18 for them to even think about it. But I feel like he can go for 20 up and up too, which if you look at what the Knicks did last season with Julius Randle, like, they got Julius Randle here on potential as well. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Julius Randle ended up averaging 19 and 10. Although it was kind of, it seemed empty to a lot of Knicks fans. Yeah. Um, you're kind of taking a, a huge gamble on Christian Wood, giving him that amount of money for performing in such a short time period. You know what I mean? Like, we really don't know what that production will be like over 82 games. We would really be gambling, kind of like it's almost it's almost like what Steve Mills did for Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm-hmm. When Tim Hardaway, he seemed like his numbers were coming up. Steve Mills, uh, Steve Mills, <laughs> rolled the dice, gave that man eighteen mil, yeah, and lost, <laughs> lost the bet. Rolled double ones, <laughs> exactly. Snake eyes, we out of here. So. It could be the same thing for Christian Wood. Even though the numbers look good, mm-hmm. it's still a gamble. It's still a gamble. Still a gamble either way. So we just don't know. It is. I mean, the one hope I do have from him is the fact that if he's able to shoot 56.7% with the Pistons, <sighs> I'm, I'm like, maybe there's a good chance he could at least, you know, replicate that with the Knicks. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot to look at. Look. Ranked 95th percentile as a role man in the season. 85th percentile in spite of threes. So, and he's not, it's not just empty stats either, man. Like, the Pistons have a net rating of negative 3.3 as a team this year. Um, what is the only one to have a full, to be a, football, a full-time player and average a net rating of 2.2? The only one on the team. So he's not even putting up just empty stats. He's actually impacting the team. So when you put all that together, you start to like, dang, maybe, maybe I should do a Steve Mills. I don't know. <laughs> if he yeah, should, it, might be, it might be worth the risk. Maybe you should pull a Steve. Or maybe you end up fired next season. <laughs> I mean, if it's me, like, I'm willing to roll the dice on that. You're willing to roll the dice? Yeah, I'm willing to roll the dice. Especially the fact that he's 24 years old, too. And yeah, he's going to – he'll be perfect age. Yeah. Yeah, for me, for that to happen – for me to roll the dice like that, I'm definitely moving Julius. I'm definitely yeah. doing it. Yeah, you got to. You got to. I'm not even using it as a backup. I'm, I'm moving him and trying to get something. Extra draft pick and a piece, something. Yeah. That's that's the case because then I, that's that's all for RJ. RJ, go at it. You got the room now. Go. Mm-hmm. RJ was averaging. I saw something that said RJ was averaging like something like seventeen points mm-hmm. a game towards the end of the season. Let's see what you can do for eighty-two games as as the main guy on the team. That's the focal point. I want to see that. Yeah. Hmm. All right. All right. All right. Moving on to what are my favorite foreigners ever in Knicks history? Ah, 
My guy. Tenilok Galena. Former Nick Great. Former Nick Great. Original stretch four. He was a stretch four before stretch fours were popular. Exactly. Now everybody want one Danilo. You realize he was the first Danilo. Everybody, everybody come. All these stretch fours are, are cutting off or cloth a branch off the Danilo Gallinari tree. Yes, sir. I said it. But yeah. <laughs> oh, go ahead. My bad. It's cool. Danilo Gallinari. So for this season with the Clippers, he averaged near a career high 19.2 points per game. Come on. Almost 20 a game. He's grabbing 5.5 rebounds a game. Get it. Assists. He's shooting 40.9% from three-point range and 43.9% from field goal range in 30.7 minutes a game. And I think this is another positive. He played 55 games this past season and started 55. So the main thing with Gallinari is his health. If he's healthy, he's definitely a good player on any roster. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's definitely the main thing with Danilo. He, he's been battling injuries, I feel like, every season since he's got into the league. Into the, into the league. Into the league, right? <laughs> when, like, when you look at the games, last year, 55 games, dope. You started to see the ascension when he was the Clippers. He averaged 19.8 in, in the Clippers uniform as well. And that season, he played 68 games. Yeah. Um, keep in mind, the season is short, so that 55 could have been longer, right? Um, before that, only played 21 games. There's been a few games where he had 14 games, 43 games. Like, listen, to get Danilo here would be great because he's a legit scorer, but it is a little bit of a risk. Because how much is he making right now? I think he's making around, what, 20000 Let me see. I got his contract information right, right here. He's making almost 23 mil this season. Right, he's making over 23 mil this season. Um, but he's a legit scorer. And we will have competition for him because uh, you know the, the Miami Heat was actually looking to trade for Danilo Gallinari last season. So they would definitely be on his radar, I would think. Um, the, the thing is, will OKC be willing to part with him? He has kind of talked about his willingness to stay there. But mm -hmm. you would have to think that Gallinari's future is tied to Chris Paul's future. Yeah, it probably is because, I mean, you have to look at it this way. Because right now with the Thunder, like, when they traded away Westbrook and Paul George, you know, you had it in mind that, you know, the Thunder's probably rebuilding, you know, a whole young core or whatever the case may be. But they actually decided to keep Chris Paul. And in that case, they, you know, kept up veterans as well and, you know, and just roll with it. The Thunder ended up doing well. So now it, it just remains to be seen, like, are the Thunder willing to continue to go in that direction? Right. But be competitive. Exactly. Or be like, you know what? We have all these. We have all this draft capital, and we have a bunch of young players. As it is, let's see what we can get for Chris Paul, God, Gallinari, etc. Just keep on adding to the assets we already have, and this set of our future. So it remains to be seen. Yeah, exactly. Your names. Your names to be seen. Now, I kind of put Gallinari in the same boat as Bertans because they both get up threes at a very high clip. Gallo doesn't shoot as many threes as Bertans, but still seven in the game and hitting three. Pretty good. 
and he also can give you a little bit of a post game, and that's something that we really want next to RJ to give RJ some room to operate. But I definitely welcome Gallo on the team. Stretch four, stretch four, like everybody else. Um, underrated defense, pretty good team defender. I've, I've been reading about you know how high his defensive IQ is, how much he talks on the defensive end, and that's the kind of veteran presence we will need for a team of young guys, somebody who's going to reinforce the coach's uh, message of talking on the defensive end. So definitely like that. Also, so a kind of a weird stat that said that he was pretty good on isolation possessions. Uh, <clears throat> as a defender, he only concedes 0.8 points per game on ISO, which, which is 67 percentile. I mean, not, not not the best, but not, you know, not bad. 67 percentile. Passing. Better than people thought. <laughs> I mean, it's going to probably go up here if he has somebody like Mitch Garden the lane. So, I mean. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All all signs point back to Mitch. But I would definitely love Galena. Yo, just to hear his name on the loudspeaker with his first game back, yeah. I would go nuts. Ham and cheese, for sure. <laughs> and I'm copping the jersey. Oh, go, oh, you, oh, so, oh, you're going to, oh, okay, all right. I'm a cow, I'm a cow, a cow. And I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing merch. I'm doing Rooster merch. For sure. Oh, yeah, you got, you got to do, you got to do Galinari merch. Got to do Gallo merch. Got to. That's, that's a promise. <laughs> <laughs> that is a promise. All right, moving on. We're moving through these stretch fours. Another interesting stretch four to talk about is someone that we're familiar with. Uh, one of my favorite signings last year, Marcus Morris, man, he he put the dog into these guys. He had Frank Lakina want to be a dog too. Remember that? Remember when he went to the <laughs> remember he went to the he went to the meeting. He's like, hey guys, I'm a dog too. <laughs> Marcus Morris' presence was definitely felt in the Knicks locker room. Um, hit numerous clutch shots, average career highs, uh, 19 points a game. Um, hey, man, we got a pick for him. But we always said, hey, we need that pick. But if he's willing to come back. Door's open. Door's open. Question is, is Dorsey hoping in the minds of Knicks fans? He did not play well when he went to the Clippers. Definitely not. I mean, numbers, huh? It's role change. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that the numbers dropped off dramatically. So I'm just going to go. So when I have to read these stats, I'm going to go from Knicks to Clippers. All right, let's go. Hit the stats, man. So with the Knicks, he averaged a career high 19.6 points per game. All right. When he went to the Clippers, that dipped down to 9.5 points a game. Mm. So when he was with the Knicks, he shot a career high, 43.9% from three, almost 44%. So he was basically automatic with the Knicks. Fortune. But now when he went to the Clippers, albeit in just 12 games, he shot 28% from three. Mm. And if you want to talk about overall field goal percentage, with the Knicks, he shot 44%. With the Clippers, that dipped to 38.6%. And if you look at the minutes, and if you want to look at like the minutes um comparison, mm -hmm. 
he played 32 minutes. With the Clippers, he played 28 minutes per game. So there's not much of a drop there. But, of course, you know, with the Knicks, he shot more field goals per game. Absolutely. He averaged 14.8 field goal attempts with the Knicks. But with the Clippers, it it dropped down to 9.5. Rhythm was absolutely an issue for Marcus Morris going to – he's obviously he needed the ball in his hands more. Mm -hmm. Which is why if you're talking about bringing Marcus Morris back to the Knicks, he is a guy who, to me, if he is back to the Knicks – has to be the starting power forward. It cannot be him and Julius Randle. Even though we were kind of hovering around a, a decent winning percentage. Not even decent, but like, you know, more of what we expected. Yeah. When they were there, I I can't I can't do Randle with I can't. Nah, one of them gotta go. One of them definitely would have to go. I would definitely move Julius Randle at that point. Yeah, and I feel like if we and, – and I feel like if we're going to really go the route of creating more space for RJ, clearly Marcus Morris would be the one, if you have to choose between Randall and Morris, who are you going to keep? Because at least Morris can shoot the three on a high – you know, he can shoot the three at a high rate. At least he proved that when he was with the Knicks anyway, and he's proven that throughout his career. Right. Randall – I don't know what happened to Randall this year, man. Like, Randall ain't shooting the three well at all. So. He wasn't used to it, man. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to be the man. He wasn't. Mentally, he was not ready to be the man. He said all the right things in the press conference, but just did not translate. Yeah. He's not that guy. He's a role. He's, he's a guy off the bench to me. But that's oh. been moving on the bench, too. Oh. <laughs> I mean, listen, she. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Dev, yo, definitely check out the arc from my from my guy Fritz, who talks about trading Julius Randle. I think the title is "Trading Spins for Wins." Really, <laughs> really good title. Very, very <laughs> sounded like an MSG commentator there. <laughs> Shout out to you, Clyde. But yeah, definitely check that out. Um, and yeah, and I'll I'll say this too as well. Um, I am concerned that we, if the if the plan is to give RJ room and to develop RJ with Marcus Morris here, although he's a stretch four, I still feel like that is, again, taking the ball out of RJ's hands. Because the mm. one thing I see from RJ that might be underdeveloped but has a chance of developing into something is RJ's playmaking might, you know, RJ's playmaking might need time to grow. And the more board handlers you have taking the ball out of his hands, who, especially ball handlers who like to who don't like to pass the ball, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the slower that the part of his game could come along. Yeah. So that would have me hesitant to bring back Marcus um, to the Knicks, although I really did enjoy that Marcus Morris signing, whatever he signed last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Plus, it's also, it's also at his age, can he keep it up? How long does he have to keep that up? You know, did, did it, is last season the highest amount of points he will ever score, the most efficient he'll ever be? I'll say this. Like, right now he's 30, so you would think that he probably has a good, like, maybe two to three years left in his prime. Mm-hmm. True. True. True indeed, true indeed. So that's my only question. That's my only question about Marcus. Can he keep it up? And is he still the best fit next to RJ if you're trying to group RJ to be the man? Or, mm. just, or just at least seeing if he can be the man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Take the train wheels off. Right? <laughs> All right. Next 
up is a man who was known for his two-way games. Power forward, he was on the Atlanta Hawks and now is doing his things on the Denver Nuggets. Paul Millsap is no sap. Plays the offense and defense and is always tough. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. So Paul Millsap, you know, that bristled veteran right there. Mm-hmm. 12 points per game. 5.9 rebounds a game. He shot 44% from three-point range. Oof. 48.6% overall from the field in 24.4 minutes a game. So that right there proves you that, you know, he's an older player, 34 years old, about to be 35. So he's not going to give you the 30, 35 minutes per game that he used to give you back in his younger days, but he's still proving, but he's still proving that, you know, if you give him at least 20 minutes a game, he can still be productive within that time while he's on the court. Yeah, and the thing is about the Nuggets, too, you, you have to think. The Nuggets have so many offensive weapons. Yeah. Sometimes it's not that you can't score. Sometimes it's that you just not need to score. Think about Chris Bosh when he came from the Toronto Raptors and then joined the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. He was averaging 2010 with the Raptors, gets to the Heat, and he was kind of much of a role player stretch for a guy. Not that he couldn't draw 2010, but he doesn't need to. But you know, when, when Bosch, when when Wade or LeBron was injured, all of a sudden he's averaging 2010. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul Millsat might be that guy to do the same thing and average 2010. Um, how much money is he worth? Well, Paul Millsap was getting paid. He was getting paid over thirty mil a year. But um, but here's the thing, though, because you would think that with him being thirty five years old, it more than likely he's not going to get another thirty plus million contract. Nah, he's going to get a cheaper contract. The question is, what does Paul Millsap want to do with his career? Like, does he want to continue to play for a contender where he knows that he has a chance at a ring? Right. Or is he going to go for another money grab with? With the, you know, whichever team's going to offer him the most money. And you would have to think with a veteran like Paul Millsap, he's going to want to go to a contender for less money. Yeah, definitely looking at the Clippers and the Lakers as a threat to get him. Really good two, two-way guy. Um, single-handedly, pretty much transformed that Nuggets defense. You know what I mean? But like before they got there, they had the second-worst defensive rating. And then when he gets there, now all of a sudden they're the 12th-best defensive rating guy there. And he can still guard the post. He's still he's still guarding one like you know the, the opposite team's best offensive player sometimes, and he can post himself. And so he he's one of those all around guys. I think he can still still have it. And I might be willing to overpay for him a little bit again if we move Julius Randle. <laughs> if we move Julius Randle, I, I, I would I would be willing to overpay for that guy. But for, I would be I'd be willing to play like a, a two year twenty. Yeah. Two year twenty twenty two. He's just that good on both ends, and he's he's one of. I feel like he's. When you talk about transforming players, like you saw how Chris Paul goes to a team, and all of a sudden the team is winning. Yeah. And I feel like he might be one of those guys, but in a power forward version. Mm-hmm. Like maybe he's not going to you know win a championship because he's not a point guard, so we still need a point guard to do it. But at least. I feel like he'll be able to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. 
and um, just be good for us. And I, I feel like he might be able to over, overperform a little bit still. But maybe, maybe that's my hopeful, my hopeful thinking. Yeah, I mean, if you watch Millsap, like clearly Millsap can still score. But I mean, when you're on a team with like Jokic and Jamal Murray and guys like that, it's like, do you really need to do you really need to drop twenty a game? You really don't. No, no. But yeah, but like you said, he's still old, so that can still bite us an ass as well. So. <laughs> 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 I can still bite us an ass as well. Yeah. Oh, there's no. Oh, wait. There you go. Look, see, look, real knee. Because he, because he's not, you know, he's not the main focus. He doesn't have to exert as much energy. And I don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Word. <laughs> All right. Next. Uh, listen, man. This guy has a history with one. With one of our RGMs. Oh, just like Paul Millsap. <laughs> Paul, Paul Millsap has a history with with one of our new GMs as well. Walt Perrin. So who knows more? Maybe Walt Perrin could convince Paul Millsap to come over on, come on over on a cheat too. I'm trying to build something here. I drafted you, boy. Come over. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, Serge. Sergi Baca. Was a guy in OKC who shoot some threes, give you some blocks. Mm-hmm. Scott Perry traded from Orlando. Uh, it worked out too well. It worked out too well, Scott. I'm sorry. Uh, that was probably one of your worst trades ever. Trading Victor Oladipo for Serge Ibaka. That's a yeah, major, major bro there. But yeah. <laughs> nonetheless, there is a history. Serge Ibaka had a career year this year. Yes, he did. Um... First and foremost, we're gonna call him by his government government name, Serge Ibaka. He's not Serge Ibaka anymore. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Sixteen points a game, career high. All right. Blocks per game have gone down tremendously because when he was with OKC, he used to average three over three a game. Mm-hmm. He averaged over two. Now it's point eight per game. So he has clearly fallen off in that category. Right. Um, eight point three rebounds a game, which is still pretty good for a big man. He's shooting 39.8% from three, almost 40%. Okay. And overall, he's shooting 51.8% from the field. So you already know he takes good shots. And 27.5 minutes a game. Not bad. Not bad. Um, and you know what with him, too? Like, you don't really – listen. Toronto. Toronto has some decisions to make, which is why – when you're saying, why are we talking about Serge Ibaka as a stretch forward? This is why we're kind of talking about it. Like, obviously, you would have to think that Serge Ibaka wants to stay with Toronto. He's been there for a few years. He's found some success. But if it's about the money, there can be some issues because there's a few people who are up for re-up this season. It's Ibaka, Van, Van Fleet. Yes, sir. And Mark Gasol. I could definitely see somebody get in the bag. And you also have to remember Pascal Siakam's um, extension kicks in next season as well. So there's going to be less money there to sign him also. Exactly. Exactly. But um, I wouldn't say he's at the top, top of the, of the Knicks list. This is in Brooklyn. It's Mike season, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Bear with us, man. Thank you, everybody, who's still, still listening in. I wouldn't say he's a top guy on the list, but he's certain somebody to look at. Um, I wouldn't super overpay for this guy 16 points a game, you know. He's mm-hmm. modest. 
Um, but he's just something. He listen. He he hits the corner three specifically at a very high clip. Something that the Knicks definitely need need three point shooters. I like the way he's keeping it, hitting it, and he still can play some defense. Defense, man. Yeah, he can. So I mean, I wouldn't completely disregard Serge Ibaka. He's not the top of the list for me. I still have Bertans. I still have Wood. We can steal him. I still have Galinari. Yes, sir. Those would probably be my guys. Even Millsap. Mm-hmm. Ibaka to me is a guy who can put up points and play defense on a team. But what what he showed me in Orlando is he's not a culture changer. He's just a piece. Yeah. No. That's why I feel for the Knicks, he's not going to be a great fit because the Knicks are not really a contender yet. You know, like Knicks need a lot, a lot of pieces to really make the team good. I feel like if I'm a, I feel like if I'm a GM for a squad that has the pieces already in place and we're just like, oh, we need just like maybe one more piece or two more pieces, then I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to go after Serge Ibaka and bring him in. But in, in the Knicks situation, I'm like, nah, Knicks need so many pieces. Yeah, man. I don't think Ibaka's a fit right now for how the squad is at the moment. I agree. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, <clears throat> so sorry, sorry, Serge. I did think I did think with the thought for a minute, and after I thought about it, I'm gonna pass on it. Nah, this I think there's better options, better younger options as well. So better younger options. What about better older options? That too. That too. What about, listen, Knicks were trying to draft LaMelo Ball, right? But uh, I, I, let me ask you a question, Ryan. What's better than $1? $2. What's better than one mellow? Two dollars? Is this an opportunity to bring back the great Carmelo Anthony? Has connections with Leon Rose from the CAA days. Mm-hmm. Leon got him his money. He's the reason we got fleeced. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> no trade clause. Whose idea was that? Phil. Thanks, Phil. Or Leon. <laughs> oh, Leon's had to make amends then. <laughs> make amends. So with that connection being there, uh, there's been I've seen some rumors that people feel like he might come back. It's still weird for me to to like. I don't get the. Listen, Melo is Melo. He's only gonna be a great player. I love Melo, but unless the circumstances right, unless we really, unless we're really set up to win something for real, for real. I don't think Melo. I don't think Melo is a good fit here. Taking away Kevin Knox's minutes. Oh, oh, wait, hold up! Don't let me get started on Kevin Knox now. Taking oh. away Kevin Knox's minutes. I don't oh. want it happening. Oh. Don't let me get started on Kevin let, Knox. Let Knox free Knox for. Kevin Knox got one more, <laughs> se- one more season to prove himself. One more. If he does not step up to the plate, 
next season, that man has to go. He got to go. I'm just saying. Right now, take Melo over him. <laughs> right now, all right. <laughs> Obviously, I would take Melo over him. I, I mean, if I'm trying to win games, if I'm yeah. trying to win now, yes. If I'm trying to win now, yes. What I'm trying to do is either A, develop, mm-hmm. or B, develop, really. No, I'm just trying to develop. If I'm trying to develop, I don't know if Melo's the guy for developing. This is what I'm saying. Melo's uh, uh, definitely not the guy for the for that, the like, That's the only, what I'm saying. The only way I would bring Melo in is if you have the Knicks in a good position to win, or if Melo's ready to go on his own um, farewell tour and be like, okay, I want to retire Nick, then okay, you can come and just chill on the roster. Right. Have your farewell tour. But if if it's not one of those two reasons, like, nah, Melo's not a fit. Exactly. We need to be grooming some of these players. And, and if the player's not 20s, in their 20s, and mm-hmm. pushing them, growing, grow, growing forward with the guys, or younger, or, or, or if you're a veteran, like, or if you're better like Millsap, and I feel like you're going to um, implement a culture for winning, then I don't, I don't know. It's not. I, I feel like I'm dissing Melo. I'm not trying to. <laughs> uh, no, nah, like yo, I got I got mad love for Melo, but I'm just being realistic. Like with the way the Knicks roster is constructed at the moment, it's like Melo does Mel doesn't fit in. Like we're not trying to win right now. We're trying yeah. to build. Exactly. If you're trying to win, to be one thing. If you're trying to win, you say, like, "Yo, we need another score." Get buckets, let's go. Metal, strap up. Let's yes, do it. So. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't do bad last season. Nah, he, he had pretty good stats. I'll run through them right quick. Um, So last season, he averaged 15.3 points a game, mm-hmm. 6.3 rebounds. He shot 37% from three, 42.6% from the field in 32 and a half minutes per game. So... And he, and he played 50 games and started 50. So, I mean, he's shown that he can still get it done at 30, what, 35 years old. So, I mean, hey, if you're a contender and you need somebody that can get you buckets, Melo's that guy. There you go. There you go. LeBron, stop playing with your boy. <laughs> so I got to say. Now it's time for the favorite part of the show. The O-Picks. O-Picks are the best plays of the week. And there's no basketball. So since R.J. Barrett's birthday just passed, well, it just passed when he lasted the last episode that got deleted, and now we're doing the next episode now. But we still never got to publicly wish R.J. Barrett had birthday. So... This Upic goes to you. <laughs> so, if you mention RJ Barry, you gotta mention the infamous Knicks versus Rockets game. Nobody expected us to win. The young guys took over. It was the RJ Frank and Mitch show. Game in the line. RJ just shot the air ball to play before. Knicks are only up by one point, 20 seconds left. RJ dribbles the ball, top of the key, dribble, 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 dribble. Mitchell Robinson comes up, acts like he's about to set a screen, but he does not. 
which leads RJ to drive hard left, because you know RJ just drives left, that's what he does. <laughs> drives left, goes to the hole with PJ Tucker draped over him like a cheap, cheap suit, hits him with the little shoulder, whoop, drops PJ Tucker to the floor. RJ hits the layup over one of the best defenders in the NBA and PJ Tucker to seal the win. Oh. Yeah, and, and just insult to injury, Frank locks up James Harden to super duper seal the win. Lamped <laughs> him. <laughs> exactly. So shout out to you, RJ. Yes, yes, big up RJ. Happy birthday, man, man. Happy birthday. Yeah. Cool. Now. Bruh. The other favorite Bruh. part of the show is the Bruh picks. Bruh. <laughs> I don't got none. Bruh man from the fifth floor, a.k.a. Ryan. Any Bruh picks for us this weekend? As you know, there's no basketball on TV, so it's, it's been pretty dry in the Bruh department. Mm-hmm. But there's been some Bruh activity this mm. past. <laughs> Let's talk about it. KD and Kendrick Perkins. Mm. I'm going to set the premise. Okay, so last week, I believe, Kyrie Irving came out with the idea of how, you know, they should start out, they should start their own basketball league and basically saying how he doesn't want to play this season because he feels like the NBA season is going to overshadow the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. Now, as you know, there are some people that didn't agree with Kyrie Irving's um, take, and one of them was Kendrick Perkins. So, Kendrick Perkins, he was being respectful at first. I'm going to be real. He was being respectful at first. Respectfully respectfully disagreeing. Okay. Because, you know, we're all blacks. You know, we're all on the same side. We're all trying to accomplish the same goal. So... After Kendrick Perkins respectfully disagreed, apparently, you know, some sparks started to fly. So disrespect came, is what you're trying to say. Some disrespect started to fly. Kevin Durant came out of nowhere, left a comment on Kendrick Perkins' um, IG, calling him a sellout. Woo! So so Kendrick Perkins, you know, Kendrick Perkins got a bit spicy. Mm. And... He tweeted something, which he which he deleted, like, right after. Oh, yeah, you got to hold your nuts when you do that. Yeah, just tweet it. But, I mean, you know, people out here quick with the screenshots. So of course, I mean, you know, of course he quick with the screenshots. Man, he knew that was going to happen. Why did he even delete it? He knew what was going to happen. Anyway, go ahead. And he basically called out Kyrie Irving saying that Kyrie Irving is lucky that he didn't call out the whole shit that he was, <laughs> that he was, um, go- that he was um, doing on the calls. players. I'm hitting that bruh button. Hold on. Bruh. Bruh. And then to make matters worse, Kendrick Perk was on ESPN, clearly hurt by the fellow comment by Kevin Durant. As in my wood. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and my man basically broke down on TV, could not hold back the tears as he was trying to explain, how, you know, how him and Kevin Durant go back, you know, when they were teammates in OKC and how their families... Oh, he was crying? I mean, literally crying on TV. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, and saying how him and KD go back to the OKC days when they used to be teammates and how his wife still loves him and talking about their Wow. Like that. I'm like, yo. Wow. It went, it went really deep, but still, KD gets a broad because even though Kendrick Perkins disagreed with Kyrie Irving, it didn't mean that you had to call the man a sellout. Bruh. Kendrick Perkins is not a damn sellout. <laughs> like, <laughs> far from that. So a little I mean, bit, a little bit extreme, extreme, extreme response. Exactly, and and my thing with KD is like, I feel like KD, he just. I don't feel like he truly thinks things over be- before he responds to things. Like, he just, like, goes off on the, at the hip. Like, he's just yeah. like, you know what? You know, you went at my teammates, so you know what? I'm going to come at you. I'm going to come at you disrespectfully. When Kendrick Perkins didn't even come at Kyrie disrespectful at first. So, I mean. I feel, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I see yeah. what you're saying. Well, so, that Katie, Brooklyn situation, man, I mean, listen, they might have gifted this Cammy Atkinson. So. Yeah. Because, <laughs> but but yeah, KD gets a bro for the sellout comment, and then Kendrick gets a bro for when he um tried to call out Kyrie, said he was doing some whole shit. <laughs> if Kathy was here, Kathy would have said, "You see, you yeah. see, this is the man you wanted in Knicks uniform." <laughs> 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 Kathy was low key right. Yeah, she was. <laughs> to be honest about it, she was. For once. <laughs> for once, exactly, for once. <laughs> 250, 250, Kathy, 250. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Any more bro picks? Or is that, is that right? That's the only bro right there. All right, cool. One strong bro pick from bro man for the pick. Wait, 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 one more. Oh. We have a new challenger. Go ahead. Even though this guy's getting many bros in the past, I got to give one more bro to the president of the United States. Uh, this? For some comments he's made earlier in the week, acting like as if he put every – that acting like he put Juneteenth on the map, which he clearly did not. But he, he's trying to take credit for making the holiday more – popular than it, than it already is. Bruh. Saying that not many people have heard, have heard of it when, I mean, clearly not because in your own bubble, people don't really care about the holidays, so. Listen, man, Trump, Trump is infamous for taking credit for sh- shit he ain't do. Exactly. <laughs> that is not, that is not a new move. It's like, ooh, unemployment is down. That unemployment started going down when Obama was here. Exactly. You just you just happened to be president when it's when they kept going. Yeah, that's when, another story. Yeah, for another day. For another day. I that, that's another story for another day. I don't even. I was gonna say something a lot worse, but I'm going to chill. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to chill. Yes. Wusa. All right. Okay. So um. Originally, we really wanted to do like um, an action-packed episode of, you know, actionable steps that people can do to help progress like a Black Lives Matter movement or just help, you know, a progressive cause to stop some of this police violence, uh, get more fair 
get some more fair justice in this country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to actually talk about actionable steps to do that, have a whole show about it. But quickly realized how hard it is to get everyone together in the middle of the week <laughs> as long as the weekend, <laughs> which is why the show is only once in a week in the first place. <laughs> really hard to get that done. So what we're going to do instead is I'm going to see if we can maybe like just add like one thing an episode or something maybe of like something we can do to help the community. Maybe we can do something like that. So as of now, you, you've heard about this defund the police thing. And first, when you hear defund the police, you kind of put off guard, maybe some of you, because you're just like, we need police and what does that really mean? Defund the police does not necessarily mean take every resource out of police's hands and just fire all police. It's more of cutting back the budget of people in the police department. Currently in New York City, there's like the police have a six billion dollar budget. Um they have that budget is bigger than like the the housing budget, the <laughs> the like the budget for hospitals, the budget for, for you know putting chill putting programs for our children and teenagers is but is bigger than all those budgets combined. And if you think about it, really Crime doesn't necessarily go down when there's more police involved. Like, look at the wire. <laughs> look, at, look at the wire when they talk about the war on drugs. And in the, in the beginning, they even talk about the war not being winnable. And because this is police presence, like, really, crime, there's no, to me, there's no such thing as black and black crime. We'll, we'll start there. Crime is caused by poverty, it's exactly. not caused by race. When there's no money and no resources is when you see crime start to rise. So back to the fund the police, though, what the fund the police is really saying is not take every resource out of police, but cut that budget and put it somewhere else. Yes. Like recently we had a COVID outbreak in Brooklyn. Um, hospitals were being overrun, but budgets were cut from hospitals. Mm-hmm. We didn't like hospitals were closing down in Brooklyn. So, like, something like that, we can take the money from there and put it back into hospitals. We can take the money there. They, they recently start, they recently cut um, summer, summer youth programs for teenagers to get jobs. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen when you cut the opportunity for someone to get a job who's a teenager? Exactly. More time to be on the street, more time to get in trouble, et cetera. So when people talk about the fund of the police, they're really talking about taking the resources and putting them elsewhere. And if you want to do that, if you want to put pressure on your congressmen to do things like that, I'm going to show you how very quickly right now. Um, Vice has put together a tool. I'm going to put the link in the descriptions that will help you email blast councilmen. Like It'll be like you email blast like 20 or so councilmen to defund the police and tell you what you want to do and how to do like it it, it re it's pretty much a template man you really just gotta copy paste man you really just have to copy paste and it does the work for you so you can do something like hit new york from the demonstration as you see click where you want to send the letter click send email it's not gonna work for here right now but your email will pop up and it will auto-populate 
the email addresses of the councilmen in your area, the subject, you can insert your own subject here, and give you a whole message. All you gotta do is fill in your names. That's it. Done. Because right now, politicians, they, they feel the wrath. There's people out there, you know, you can see these wheels turning and things are trying to start to change slowly. We have to kind of stay in the next. Otherwise, um, this things like this, like people being killed for no reason and police getting off will happen again and again and again. So, mm -hmm. and well, I will say that Jay Ellis is not against police. He has cousins in the police force. He has family in the police force. Uh, I am for, you know, good police and accountability, just like I'll be fired if I did something bad in my job. I, I expect that from anybody else, all right? Yeah, and I just wanna add, you know, just something short right quick to follow up on what you're saying. Um, when you want to build a community, it's through schooling, after school programs, and also like you said with, with you know, with COVID hitting um, basically the whole US at large. You know, the fact that, you know, across the, across the whole U.S., like, you have funding where most of the funding is going to the police, and as a result, you know, hospitals closed down and things like that. Like, you, you already saw that America was barely able to even handle all the cases that came out, you know, rapidly like that, and if a worse disease was to, is to break in the future, you know, if the, infra if the whole hospital infrastructure isn't fixed, it could pretty much cripple the whole country, like how, crippled, like how COVID crippled America for these past few months. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, so I think it's, it's important that, you know, people support this initiative to place the funding elsewhere from, you know, from the police and actually, you know, put it in places without help that actually help build other communities and you know make the communities safer because i feel like at least from my opinion like yeah you know crime comes from poverty and this and that but if you give those poverty stricken areas more opportunities to go to school get an education get jobs mm -hmm. etc actually make something of their lives then that gives them less incentive to do crime also too if you want to get information um Campaign Zero is a good place for, for information. I'm, I'm definitely, I got a lot of information for them. It kept me up to speed, but definitely go to Campaign Zero. It breaks down actionable ways in their approach, data, data-driven approach on how to, you know, slow down police brutality or their plan to anyway. So definitely go there for information. Uh, if they need help, you can also like help them out to do research um gather data and all that stuff so definitely go to campaignzero.com or or join campaignzero.org for information on police brutality and how you can help yep all right that is our show for people still listening <laughs> shout out to the police in the background heard us talking about you <laughs> Sirens going on, but yeah, definitely, definitely. Hope you enjoyed the show. Um, you can find us on youtubecom show of course. 
trying to get these episodes up on SoundCloud. We've been a few episodes that haven't been up, but we're going to get those up shortly. So definitely look out for that on SoundCloud.com slash Time Show. Also iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and all that stuff. Definitely check out our website, man. Definitely check out the website. Hold up. I'm going to go to the website right now and give you a screenshot of that. Definitely head to nickatimeshow.com as we load up. Check out our beautiful articles. (laughs) And you can get our merch as well. So definitely check that out. All right. For the people, for the people, for the people. All right, man. Where can they find you, Ryan? You can find me at Sir G is Chillin'. Sir G is Chillin'. That is S-I-R-G is C-H-I-L-L-I-N. All right. And you can find me at JLS Draws Things. That's J-E-L-J-E-L-L-I-S Draws Things. Uh, if you want to contact me, uh, sometimes I post some stuff before they happen. Sometimes I post merch that's going to drop before it even drops anywhere else on my page. So you definitely check my page if you want to follow me. That is all. We are 